Hallelujah. Well, uh, Pastor was talking Sunday morning about some things concerning uh, how about when we, I'm just going to summarize this up because I was in the nursery watching this over the TV. But so I'm just going to give you a brief summary. But basically that uh, we, uh, that sometimes we, when we pray for other people, we have a lot more faith and and we're very confident about what God will do for other people, and we're confident in praying for them. Uh, but then, when we come to ourselves, sometimes we don't, and we pray prayers for ourselves concerning healing or concerning uh, receiving our needs met. We are not as confident as for ourselves as we are when we pray for other people. And he talked about. That that the reason part of that reason was is because we know ourselves so well, and then, you know, but other people, we just really believe God that He will do it for them, and He does, and then somehow we kind of undermine our own faith because we know ourselves, and so I wanted to talk tonight based on that, and he he touched on it a little bit Sunday morning. Like I said, if I repeat something he said, forgive me because I was in the nursery, so I might not have got every word. But anyway, um, I want to talk tonight about the difference between condemnation and conviction. And um, so we'll get started with that just right away here. Um, conviction is, is, first of all, let me start out with this. And you know this from first from First Thessalonians that we are we are spirit soul and body you are a three-part being you are spirit you are soul and you are body and so and it's when we get born again and we receive jesus christ into our heart it's the spirit man or uh one place in corinthians says the hidden man of the heart that's the part of us that gets saved now i know you know that but just a little bit of background and review that's the part of us that gets saved. And then our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, uh, is in the process of being saved. And we, the, the soul does not get saved by just asking Jesus to come into your heart. The soul gets saved by renewing your mind and changing how you think and changing how you react emotionally and changing and submitting your will over and over again, not just a one-time thing, but submitting your will to the plans and purposes of the Lord and to His Word. And so, um, and then, of course, we're to bring our bodies under subjection to the Word of God. And so, and the bodies won't be fully saved. You'll always have a body. <laughs> and Well, when you leave this earth, you don't even get to take your body with you. But when, when, the, when the last trump sounds, the Bible says that though we're going to, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to all receive our resurrection bodies, those that are in the grave first. The Bible says uh, th those that have uh, already been in the grave, their, their bodies are going to come out of that grave, resurrected bodies, and be reunited with their spirit man that's already in heaven. And those of us that are going to be a part of that rapture generation who don't ever go to the grave, uh, we will be changed, the Bible says, in the twinkling of an eye, and we will be put on incorruption, and we will receive a resurrected body, uh, just like Jesus right now has a resurrected body, and uh, 
even though he is flesh and blood, he can also walk. He walked through walls. We know he did that. He came into the room where the disciples were after he was resurrected, and he walked through the wall and, and came in there. And so, hallelujah, that will be an exciting day. Uh, I heard Brother Copeland say one time, and I love this, that, of course, there's going to be people after we receive our resurrection bodies and we go up in the rapture, then during the seven years of tribulation, there's going to be, of course, people still on the earth that will, some of them will get born again during that time. And they'll have children, and then we're going to come back to rule and reign with Jesus for a thousand year reign and and he said that he had uh, a vision one time and some of the people that were on the earth but they they didn't have their resurrected bodies they were whispering and they were saying oh over there those people those are the glorious ones talking about us so hallelujah <laughs> i'm excited about this hallelujah so um some of you need to tell your face get excited about this okay because <laughs> this is a good thing eh? hallelujah so when we talk about conviction versus condemnation we have to go back partially to the to the truths about spirit soul and body and then we also have to kind of distinguish you know the bible says that we're to rightly divide the word of truth and so we uh, we can we're going to do some of that rightly dividing tonight uh conviction which is different than condemnation conviction comes is the job of the holy spirit it is the job of the holy spirit to convict that's one of his jobs not the only job condemnation the bible says i'm going to take you to scriptures in a minute comes from our own heart and sometimes condemnation can come from other people and it doesn't come from their spirit it's coming from their heart when they uh put us under condemnation and then accusation we know is the devil's job the bible says in revelation that he is the accuser of the brethren and uh he's, he does really good at that now i'm going to read you some definitions of conviction condemnation and accusation i think it'll really help you and i got these definitions from the dictionary but not just any dictionary i got it from the webster's 1828 dictionary which you can download that as an app and uh uh but the web the difference between the webster's 1828 dictionary and you know other dictionaries is i guess it was first of all it was put together in 1828 but secondly is that it defines words um it's 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 from a godly basis and often even gives a scripture reference so it's it it it, it comes in the light of scripture even though it was not a it was not a church dictionary. It was one commonly used by the people in 1828. But, uh, you know, it was okay for your dictionary not to be to be based on the Bible back in 1828. Okay, so a lot of people really prefer that dictionary. So the word conviction from that dictionary means to convince or compel to admit the truth. To convince or compel to admit the truth. So it's the Holy Spirit's job to convince and to compel us. He does not beat us over the head. Condemnation from that dictionary means to declare one guilty and doomed to punishment. Can you see a difference between conviction, which is to convince and compel, versus to you're guilty and bless God you're going to hell. 
or you're guilty and bless God, God's going to punish you. He's, he's going to take your baby. He took your baby because you're guilty. And um, there's a whole difference between conviction and condemnation. And then accusation means to charge with a crime or offense. And the devil's always charging us with crimes, though you did it here and you did it there, and crimes and offense. And he accuses us not only to God, the Bible says in Revelation, but he accuses us to ourselves. And you know what? He accuses other people to us, too. He'll say, well, you know the way they looked at you? That's what they were thinking. And, you know, we, when we have those thoughts, we don't know that. We don't know that that's, uh, boy, the way Garland looked at me, I know what he was thinking. He was thinking, he, he was thinking this most horrible sermon I ever heard in my life. <laughs> but, our, but those things come into our minds, all of our minds. Well, you know, pastor didn't speak to me this morning, and, that's, and that means this. Well, that's the accuser of the brethren, and he's accusing pastor to you. Hallelujah. And then he will accuse your, you to you. He'll say, well, you know this, no, you know that. Turn over to Romans 8, 33 now, and we'll get started in Scripture. And we're going to look at quite a few Scriptures. Because all these things I've said, I now can show you in the Word. So, Romans 8, 33. Praise God. So, we start out in Romans 8, 33 with a question. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Well, the understood answer there that's not there is no one. No one can lay anything to the charge of God's elect. It is God that justifies. The reason they can't, they can't lay anything on us, God's elect, is because God justified us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Verse 34, who is he that condemneth? Uh, the answer is uh, no one. The understood answer. And then it says, Why? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So we cannot be, uh, nothing can be laid to our account, and nothing, uh, no one can condemn us, because Jesus is that mediator between us, and he's, 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 in, he's in heaven, he's at the right hand of the Father, he's interceding for us, he is... Uh, he is uh, perpetually keeping us right with God and justified. And we'll, we'll look at that. Look at Romans 8, verse uh, 1. Now, I'll, I've done this before. I'll do it tonight. Back in the charismatic days, when we, and I'm talking about from 1968 to, or 1967, we'll say, 1967 to, to 1982, we'll call that charismatic days. Back when the charismatic renewal was on and the Holy Ghost was being poured out in the charismatic renewal, renewal a great move of God that happened in our lifetime. And uh, we used to sing scripture songs. And Romans 8, 1 was a scripture song that we sang. And it was the, y'all want me to sing to you? Hallelujah. But, and if somebody kind of got, um, if somebody was kind of blaming you for something or, or kind of, you know, um, kind of, well, you need to get up off that couch. I know we had a friend who was like, you need to get up off that couch and get to work. And he would sing, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. 
and then it repeats itself. Anyway, I knew y'all would enjoy that. So <laughs> if you didn't, well, just don't say anything because uh, there's no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There is, there, now, there, is, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. You are in Christ Jesus if you are born again. Now to stay out of condemnation, you need to do something. You need not... That, remember, who does the condemning? Who does the condemning? Uh, your heart. So this is not talking about... now. You, you know, walk after, don't walk after the flesh, walk after the spirit so God won't condemn you. That is not what it's talking about because God's not the condemner. The Holy Ghost is not the condemner. The condemner is our heart. And I'm going to show you the scripture for it. So, but just believe me till we get through this. But who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. It's like, okay, I need to walk in the spirit so my own heart won't condemn me. And not after the flesh. Because if I start, even though there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus for me, and never will be, because I'm in Christ Jesus. Not because of what I do, but because I'm born again and I'm in Christ Jesus. So there'll never be condemnation coming for God from me, for me. There'll never be condemnation coming from the Holy Ghost for me. Ever. Ever. Because I'm in Christ Jesus. But condemnation can come if I don't walk after the Spirit and instead I walk after the flesh. And you know who it's going to come from? It's going to come from my own heart. Okay. So let's move on a little bit. Um, verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I love that. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's where I'm supposed to be living under the law of the Spirit of life. Hallelujah. This will cheer you up. This will make you happy. How, praise God. Hallelujah. And this will change how we live. Because I told you this a couple of weeks ago, is that uh, we're three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body. But we're more spirit than we are. Our spirit's bigger than our soul and body. Now, we can't see our spirit, so it's hard to know that. But we're supposed to be pretty much ignoring and just disregarding our soul. Mind, will, emotions, and our, our body. And we're supposed to be living out of the Spirit and by the Spirit and living like our spirit's big, bigger and seeing ourselves as a spirit being so that when you walk into work, you see yourself, I tell you what, you see yourself, God in you, God just walked in here and the glory of God is flowing out of me. It's swirling all around me. I've got the glory on me. I'm a spirit being. And my spirit is just emanating God. Instead of walking in there like an old hound dog with your tail between your legs and your head tucked down because, you know, you was walking in the flesh last night. Hallelujah. <laughs> or like one of our friends says, the flush. The <laughs> flush. Yeah, that's what he said. He said, my flush. And so... <laughs> Hallelujah. We we laugh about that all. He laughs about it too. Anyway, Rome, John 16. Let's go to John. He don't live here, so. But you know him. John 16. John 16, 7. <clears throat> Nevertheless, 
Y'all there? John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you for I, that I go away. This is Jesus talking. For, I, for if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you, the comforter. That's the Holy Ghost, the comforter. Verse 8. And when he's come... He will reprove, and if I, my mine has a little tube, I reprove, and if you look over in the margin, it says convince. Remember, we said it was the that the word uh, the word uh, conviction meant to convince or compel. So the Holy Ghost is a convincer. So He's come to convince the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And this talking about the world here, what the Holy Spirit does for the world. He convinces them of sin. Because, you know, sometimes the world doesn't think they've sinned. If they, you know, and then he convinces them of righteousness and he and of judgment. He convinces them, you know, this is sin. <laughs> this is righteousness. And if you don't change this from sin to righteousness, you're going to get what? Judgment. Not today, maybe. But in, in that time of judgment, in that day of judgment, that's still coming. Okay, but the point, in, one point I wanted to make is that the Holy Spirit is not ever the condemner. He's always the comforter. He's always our comforter. And so if the Holy Spirit, uh, if he convinces the world of sin, he also convinces us and compels us when something's not right for our lives, when something's not uh most of the time, though, we don't even need the Holy Spirit because our heart, our own heart within us tells us, our spirit man tells us, uh, yeah, uh, you know, this, it, don't do that. Uh, or you'll, maybe you say something to somebody and let you walk off and all of a sudden you go, oh, man, I wish I hadn't said that. That's the Holy Ghost. But probably, first of all, it's your own spirit. But then, you know, the Holy Ghost also convinces us of sin. But he's never the condemner. He's always the comforter. When he convinces us of sin, he always gives us hope. He doesn't ever, like when we read about condemnation, where it was doom us to punishment. He doesn't condemn us and doom us to punishment. When we start thinking, boy, I mean, I'm going to get punished for this, we're listening to the 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 condemnation of our heart and we're not listening to the holy ghost the holy spirit will stand by us when no one else will the holy spirit will help us when nobody else will help us and when he comes to us to convince us of something he's got a help for us he's got help he's gonna help us make it right no matter what we did no matter how big the sin you know uh I think that's why uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you. I think that's why that scripture doesn't say, uh, I know the plan I have for you. Because we can mess the plan completely up, and he's already got another plan. So he doesn't just have plan, he's got plans for us to give us a future and a hope. And so he's he comes with hope, he comes with encouragement. Hey, you messed up here, or, or maybe that wasn't best, but look... Here, do this. Go do this. And sometimes, you know, we still have to live with consequences, uh, but we. But there's always a hope. There's always, uh, there's a future that's always bright for every Christian. 
I mean, sometimes, you know, uh, we have to straighten out our own mess. You know, we make a mess, we have to straighten out some things. We might have to do some things and straighten out some things. And, you know, and it may inconvenience us tremendously because of what we've done. I mean, you, uh, let's just say you cuss out your boss and get fired. Well, you know, he's probably not going to hire you back. You may have to live with the consequences and you're going to have to go through the hassle of looking for a new job. And you probably may have to believe God that he doesn't, you probably might not want to write that down as a reference, you know. I don't know. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but so there might be some work for you to do to get everything cleaned up. You're probably going to be convinced by the Holy Ghost to go and repent to your boss. But uh, God always has a way to 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 turn it around and to get back on the winning side. And uh, so there is some inconvenience to it. I'm not trying to say, you boy, if you can just sin, you can do anything and nothing's going to happen. You're not going to have to pay. But who's not going to make you pay is God. He's going to forgive you. Now, you will have to deal with this world system. And if you beat your boss up instead of just cussing him out, you're probably going to find yourself down in Tuscaloosa County Jail, and we're going to have a jail ministry too. Hallelujah. So the world, so, so the world's still going to be there, and the judgment of the world, and, and what people think of you, all of that, I'm not so, so I think sometimes when people say, just do anything you want to, there's, a, there's just all sorts of ripple effect that go on. But the person that's not going to condemn you is the Holy Ghost, and the person that's always still going to have a plan for you is the Lord Jesus Christ. I know the plans that I have for you. And thank God he, in his foreknowledge, knew what you were going to do, has a plan to turn it around and, and still get you out of there. Get you out of the whole hole, your own hole you dug. Hallelujah. Uh, is that good news or what? And so, did we read? Uh, yeah, we read that. Let's go to, I'm going to read John 3.18 in the Amplified. Now, a lot of people don't like, religion does not like this message that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. They, even uh, when pastor used to go to the jail, he's not currently going, but, and he would, and those guys down there, they all, uh, uh, they're there for a reason. And so he went to the guys. There's girls down there too. I'm not just trying to put it, but he went to the guy's side. So anyway, uh, and so pastor would go in preaching because they're condemned. They don't even, they feel condemned. They're under condemnation. They feel worthless. And um, um, so pastor would go in with a there's no condemnation message. But some of them would literally fight him not fight physically, but argue, they would argue for the right to go to hell because they had done something wrong instead of God will forgive you, God's, you know. And Pastor used to tell them the story of, uh, you know, now your little old grandmother, if she's not born again, she's going to go to hell quicker than the person that murdered three people but repents and truly receives Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now, that would make them mad, because, especially in Alabama, because everybody adores their grand, granny in Alabama, grandmother. I adored mine, too. And so, yeah, it makes them mad when you tell them, if she's not born again, I don't care if she, uh, you know, stands, <laughs> yeah, puts up your bail. But she does all sorts of good works. 
But if she has not received Jesus Christ as her Savior, because that's the one thing the Holy Spirit came to do, was to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, and to lead us and to draw us to Jesus Christ, because he is the only way. Good works does not get us to heaven. So, John 3.18 in the Amplified. So, it's hard for... You, you, it takes a renewed mind, and that's why we keep going over this, and we keep renewing our mind to the fact that we're not to be condemned. We're to be the, we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, been made that by the blood of Jesus. It was a free gift. It was not of works, lest any man should boast. And that's why we keep going over it because, uh, hallelujah, because we, uh, we. <laughs> well, let's read John 3. I, I'll get it back together in a minute. John three eighteen. He who believes in him, who clings to, trusts in, and relies on him, is not judged. He who trusts in him never comes up for judgment. You will never come up for judgment before Jesus. On that judgment day, you don't even, you know, everybody says, well, we're going to go to judgment day one day. Well, they hadn't read the Bible. Yeah, the wicked are going to be judged, and we're going to go to the judgment seat of Christ, but it's to get our reward. So he, he who trusts in him never comes up for judgment. For him there is no rejection, no condemnation. He incurs no damnation. But he who does not believe cleave to, rely on, and trust in him, is judged already. He has already been convicted and has already received his sentence because he has not believed in and trusted in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He is condemned for refusing to let his trust rest in Christ's name. And what that means is, is the people that have not received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, God's not going to have, it's already decided. He's not going to have to decide, am I going to send you to heaven or I'm going to send you to hell? It's already decided. You don't receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, judged already, going to hell. So, but, but the good news is, when we believe in Him, we cling to, trust, and rely on Him, it, we are not judged. He who trusts in Him never comes up for judgment. Does that make you happy? You ought to, there ought to be people jumping up in this church and dancing in the aisles. Never comes up for judgment. For him there is no rejection. It don't matter what you do, you can just run right back to God. And no condemnation. He incurs no damnation. Okay, hallelujah. But like I said, religion doesn't like that. The religion wants, religion wants uh, you to be saved one day. But you mess up the next, and you're going to hell. I know when we had a, we were not, we this wasn't our Christian school, but I taught in a Christian school before we had ours. And uh, so this kid, he cheated on his test. Every kid going to cheat. The, the curriculum that we had was awesome. It was designed, it was, it was designed where you could not cheat and get away with it. The teacher would always catch it. And, uh, it was just nearly 100% of the time and uh, that you would catch it. And uh, every kid tried it. Every kid. I don't care if saved, unsaved. They all tried it, you know. And so uh, <laughs> so this teacher, now they, were, they came out of the, a uh, 
a background that was, uh, there was condemnation in that background. You know, there was condemnation if your hair wasn't long, if you, there, you know, so you know what I'm talking about. There was condemnation if you, uh, and so this kid cheated on his test. And I remember, and he, and, and I know this kid was saved. And I remember one of the teachers out of that background got in his face. Now, I agree. He needed chewing out. He needed to go get the paddle from the principal of the school. He cheated. And he was caught. <laughs> and, uh, but um, she got in his face. And she said, you're going to go to hell. Just, just for cheating on a test. If boy, I tell you what, I'm sure glad that I will never come up for judgment. God will not reject me, and there is no condemnation, and I will incur no damnation. Now he made bad choice. Really, he made a bad choice. He chose to cheat. Um, but did you know that every every child and every adult has character flaws? And one of the things the man that wrote the curriculum for this Christian curriculum, and it's still available, is he said the pressure of the classroom will cause the character flaws of a child to come to the surface. The pressure of the classroom will cause the character flaws of the child to come to the surface. And another thing he said this, and, uh, is, no, I didn't hear this from him. I got this from somebody else, and it's true. I just believe it's true. The higher the calling on a child's life, the greater the weakness in the child's life. So some of the kids that we knew were called, man, you got the call of God all over you. I can see it on you. They were the ones that stayed with the paddle on their butt all the time. They were always in trouble. The called ones, the ones that were just kind of easy going and they, they, you know, you didn't, you know, they did not get in trouble nearly as much. That might explain why a lot of times preachers' kids are, because those callings and giftings are hereditary, heredity and passed down. And I don't know, I'm not trying to ex excuse anything or say anything, but it's just, it's interesting, isn't it? So, um, <clears throat> so our own spirit knows when we have done wrong. And that is why we must keep a tender conscience towards God. We got to stay tender before God. John 8, let's go to John 8. Now, you know, it's always good to remind ourselves because every day we're dealing with conviction. Every day we're dealing with condemnation. Every day all of us are dealing with accusation. We're hearing... Uh, the devil accuses us in our mind, and we have to deal with it. In, in John 8, verse 9, And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Now this is about the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. And they brought her to Jesus, and Jesus, you know, bent down, writ, wrote in the sand and everything, and and he asked them, uh, he that was without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her, because that was the punishment for what she had done would have normally been you get stoned. Under the old covenant, that was what would happen, is you would get stoned. But, under, but Jesus is here, 
And it said, but notice how it says they were convicted by their own conscience. They were convicted by their own conscience. So that's why we have to keep our conscience and our hearts tender before God and be quick to repent. Because you can, you can absolutely harden your heart. And and First John one nine tells us to repent, doesn't it? And to 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 come to God in repentance when uh, when we sin. And the quicker the better. Learn to be a quick and good repenter. And I mean truly from the heart. Repenting. If you have a relationship with God and with the Holy Ghost, I'm talking about an intimate relationship, you won't like sinning. And you will you won't like you won't you will be very uh, grieved in your own heart when you mess up and you'll want to be quick to repent. And if you don't if you're not a quick repenter, there's probably some hardness somehow that has gotten in there. First um, John one nine says, uh, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." Now, you know this is talking about cleansing our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. I know that's uh, I've got to when I sin, I've got to get out from under. The condemnation. Turn to First Timothy chapter four, verse two. I told you we was going to see quite a few scriptures tonight. But I'm going to begin in verse one. Second Timothy four one. First Timothy four one. Sorry about that. First Timothy four one. Didn't have my glasses on. See that. Now the Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrine of devils. Now that's talking about Christians, isn't it? It's so because he says they depart from the faith. So it has to be talking about Christians. So look at verse 2. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So it's impossible to get a, for a Christian to get their conscience seared. Like it was seared with a hot iron. Brother Hagin tells that story about the man that he stayed with when he was uh, in one of his churches. He stayed with a man. He'd go on Saturday night and stay for the Sunday morning, Sunday night service. And then he'd go back to another town that he actually lived in. And he said, this man made what we used to call at our house cowboy coffee. I've made so many pots of coffee for my parents. I mean, that was part of my, Debbie, go make a pot of coffee. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> we were talking. Being a child today is not anything like being a child when I grew up. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, uh, anyway, so my parents, we went through all different kinds of coffee. I, just about every coffee pot that ever existed we had at one time or another. And my parents were big coffee drinkers all throughout the day. If you were home, you were either drinking the pot you just made or you in process of making a new pot. And so... But we would make this kind of coffee for a while. We made it this way where my parents had an old tin coffee pot and you just put water in it and got it boiling. And when it boiled, you threw coffee grounds in it. I don't remember the measurements, but I knew how many to put. And then you let it boil a minute or two. And then you just pour it up and it had a little strainer thing in the spout part so the grounds wouldn't come through or not many you know but cowboy coffee they just drink it grounds and all you know tough tough y'all not this not this was not starbucks 
lattes. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> this is what tough people drink. And so that's the kind of coffee this man, Brother Hagen, talked about. And he said he would just pour it straight from boiling off the stove and drink it straight down. I know you think that sounds, but I'm just nearly at that place myself. Now, I don't just drink it straight down, but we pass, now we have a Keurig, and Pastor makes me a, pot, a, a, a cup of a Keurig coffee, and uh, it's a special recipe, and we're not going to give it out. And uh, anyway, and he makes me, and then because the Keurig does not make coffee hot enough for me, he has to put it in the microwave for one minute, one minute and brings it and I I start drinking it immediately because but I started drinking coffee at a very young age and so all of this is you know and one day my glass broke and spilled on my belly and I got blisters on my belly but I can drink it down my throat and uh, so uh, <laughs> anyway, so that's why this guy did, and that's the example Brother Hagen would always use about having a seared conscience, conscience, having our conscience seared, where we don't we don't recognize sin, we don't feel anything, we don't feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We may not even hear our own heart when our own heart talks to us. So that's what we don't want to do. We keep our heart tender because one reason we want to keep our heart tender is because. If, you're, if your heart's not tender, how are you ever going to be led by the Spirit? And we all want to be led by the Spirit. We want to be led into prosperity. We want to be led into our complete health. We want to be led into the right job and the right thing to do there. But we have to stay tender in all the areas. Uh, if we want to, and, and also stay tender if we want to hear God's voice. And we all need to hear God's voice. It's a matter of life and death to be able to hear God's voice. To be able, when he says, pull over, to just hear, that was God and I'm pulling over. And, uh, uh, and uh, that way, hey, and avoid a multitude of things that could, uh, could happen. Uh, <clears throat> Hallelujah. Let's turn to 1 John 3. Because I told you I'd show you this in the scripture and we're getting low on time. So 1 John 3.20. I promised I'd show you this. Verse 19. We'll start there. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, there's our own heart condemning us. God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Now, we don't receive of him. This, the wording on this makes it seem like that what he's saying is you only receive from God if you uh, keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So if you've ever, if you ever displeased God yesterday, you're not going to get your prayers answered. No, you're, you're not going to get your, it's not going to be that you don't get your prayers answered because you've messed up. The reason you won't get your prayers answered is if you're not in faith. And the reason you're not in faith is why? Because you don't have any confidence or faith towards God because your heart's condemning you. And so there's some things we need to do about that. And first of all, we need to thank God. I believe that our heart doesn't let us get by with anything. If you're born again, your heart, and you haven't seared your conscience, then your heart's not going to let you get by with things, which is a good thing because then 
it keeps you tender-hearted, but it keeps you in that place where you have confidence towards God. But also, if we don't understand this scripture, and if we don't understand how to get out from underneath condemnation, then we won't have confidence. So when I have messed up, whether it be something big or something little, I have to know how to get out from under. Because what will happen is I can repent and say, Father, I ask you to forgive me. Man, I, I shouldn't have said what I said to that woman today, and I am sorry, and I repent, and, uh, uh, you know, just cleanse me with your blood, Jesus, and, and uh, cleanse my soul from all unrighteousness of that. And so, but here's what will happen is a lot of times I've already repented. The Bible says God put it in the sea of his forgetfulness, that he's forgotten it. He for not only forgave me, he cleansed me from all unrighteousness. But guess what? My heart will just go on condemning me. And how many of you ever had that happen? You don't have to raise your hand. But have you ever had that happen where you repented, but you still felt guilty? You still felt condemned. And so you came back and repented again. And then you still felt guilty. And so, you know, and you might have gone through that process three, four, five times. And there's people that are still repenting from sins that they did 20 years ago and that they've repented for probably a million times. And they're still, why? Because it's their heart that's condemning them. It's their conscience. It's, the, it's, the, it's their soul. Their soul remembers and is condemning them. So how do I get that? I need to know how to stop my, my heart from condemning me. And I believe the way you do it is the fact, first of all, your heart will be less likely to do that the more your mind is renewed. The more you realize, hallelujah, this is not God condemning me. This is not God. This is not the Holy Ghost. He's not putting me under condemnation. Yes, He convicted me, but I repented. So when you realize that, you won't let that happen. But also, sometimes we just have to stop and stomp our foot and say no. And say, devil, you're not going to accuse me. And I refuse all condemnation. And uh, heart, you're not going to condemn me. I've repented. It's settled. It's over. And you know what? <laughs> if you tell your heart what to do, It'll do it. Quit condemning me. I've repented. Amen. It's because I, it's imperative that I get back to the place where I have confidence toward God. Because having confidence toward God means everything. When I have confidence toward God, I, know, I go and I pray boldly. I come into the throne rooms of grace boldly. I get my prayers answered, not only for myself. I get my. I know. I know He heard me. I know He's answering, and that I have my answer. I know He's when I pray for other people. I'm not under condemnation, and I know because uh, it can affect us releasing our faith when we pray for other people. Had you ever? A lot of times, you know, because the pastors are not exempt. Hey, you know, on the way to church, especially when we used to drive to Coker, there's a long ways that driving to Coker where you could <laughs> maybe get in an argument or uh, uh, I know y'all look at y'all know y'all think we're perfect, but you know, and we nearly are. No, I'm just kidding. No, but anyway, there's been many a time that we had to say, I'm sorry, I repent. Lord, we're sorry we repent. And uh, there's no condemnation. Because why? Because i got to go in there and not only minister the word in faith, i got to pray for you. And have you ever been asked to pray for somebody when you felt like a heel? 
on the inside. You felt like a heel. Your heart condemning you will keep you from releasing your faith like you need to. And every time I pray for you, I got to release my faith. Because why? Because James said it was the prayer of faith that would save the sick. The prayer offered in faith. It was the elders praying in faith. So the elders have to be able to pray in faith. And there's been many an elder that just quit or sat down or just walked away and said, I just can't do this. Why? Because I'm condemned because I messed up. And hallelujah. Or we went up there and we prayed, but it was like, oh man, God, you know, I know it won't be according to my prayer. It'll just be your mercy. Well, that's no way to pray. Get our hearts out from underneath condemnation. Praise God. And have a tender heart and maintain that. Praise God. I think I'm through. Let me look and just make sure. Of course, I had many more notes than this, you know, but glory to God. That's it. Praise God. So there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. If you need to repent of something, repent. If you need to tell your heart, quit condemning me. But you have to, you know, you do have to obey the Holy Ghost. I know you know that. You can't tell your heart to quit condemning you and keep on, keep on doing. I mean, you get forgiven every time. But the best way to get free from condemnation is to walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. Amen. That's the highest way. Thank you, Lord. Well, I, I am free from condemnation, and I have great confidence toward God right now. So does anybody need prayer in this room for anything? If you need prayer, come up here, and I'm sure you're free too. We're learning to walk free. We're learning to walk in the... We're learning to walk um, according that our spirit man is in... Our spirit man is predominant. Our spirit man is powerful. Hallelujah. Praise God. No prayer needed. Man, everybody's healed, whole, and healthy, full, supplied, and wealthy. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. All your financial needs met, physically feeling great. Run through a troop, leap over a wall. Hallelujah. Happy, happy, happy. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you for the new birth and the spirit man, the, the recreated spirit, human spirit, that we have been made new. All things have become new. And thank you, Lord, for your word. And, Lord, the transformation that is taking place in all of us as we renew our minds. We're grateful, Lord God. Father, give us a greater hunger for your word. Lord, give us revelation in your word that we've not even had before. Lord, thank you that your word is uh, just uh, fresh and alive to us every time we go in it. We ask you, Father, for that. Fill us fresh and new with the precious Holy Spirit. Lord, give us opportunities tomorrow to minister life to minister grace, to minister your love to other people throughout our community. We're praying, Father, for a great door and effectual of opportunity into Tuscaloosa County. We give you thanks for that. 
We thank you, Father, for this holiday season. We pray, Father God, that that all men, as Jesus is lifted up in this holiday season, the Bible says all men will be drawn unto him. Lord God, help us to lift up Jesus above all things. Thank you, Lord, that you knit us together in love, that we walk together in love without strife, competition, or judgment of any kind. Always uh, seeing and taking care of each other in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, show us your plan for 2015 for each individual person here, also for the church corporately, and order our steps into that plan, Lord God. Lord, thank you for the new plans that you have for us this year. Lord, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. Thank you, Father. Thank you for grace to lead the abundant life. We ask you for that, Lord, more grace, abounding grace. Thank you, Jesus. I pray, Father, by your grace that we would walk worthy of you. In Jesus' name, amen.